Acts chapter 9, verses 19 to 31, will be our scripture reading for today. We saw last week the conversion of Saul, how he came to the Lord, and um, God met him that day, the Lord Jesus met him on the road to Damascus, and he had that, uh, that bright light, he had that Damascus road experience, and where God totally changed him. And uh, he, was, he was blinded for three days. He did not eat or drink. He fasted until Ananias came. And when Ananias came, Ananias, who was just a, a servant of God, a believer, a, dis, a devout disciple is all we're told. When he came, uh, he uh, laid hands on Paul. And he showed him uh, love and Christian acceptance and friendship. And uh, at that point, Paul was commissioned to go forth and to do the work of God. So we pick up the story in uh, verse 19, and I want to ask if you would please stand in honor and reverence for the reading of the Word of God. We really pick up halfway through verse 19, because last week we read about him eating some food and regaining his strength. So we begin with the word Saul. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days, and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem, they asked? And didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains to the leading priest? Saul's preaching became more and more powerful, and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. After a while, some of the Jews plotted together to kill him. They were watching for him day and night at the city gate so they could murder him. But Saul was told about their plot. So during the night, some of the other believers lowered him in a large basket through an opening in the city wall. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe that he had truly become a believer. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. So Saul stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. He debated with some Greek-speaking Jews, but they tried to murder him. When the believers heard about this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus, his hometown. The church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. And it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord. And with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. The word of God for the people of God. It's hard for us to imagine when we're little kids, when we're young, that our parents were ever young. We cannot think about them ever being at all like us or in touch with us or that they ever went through the same things we did. And so when they tell us, I know I've been there, we're like, no, you don't know. You, nah, things were totally not the same. 
same. They were completely different. You have no idea what you're talking about. And we often take that same type of view toward the people in the Bible. We often just imagine them fully grown, fully knowledgeable, fully experienced. But if you think about it, for each and every great saint in the Bible, there was a time in which they were a baby believer. There was a time in which they had just come to the Lord. They had just come to faith. And so this passage that we read now is of Saul's experience as a new Christian. What did he do? Now, I won't say that his experience was exactly the same as ours. It was very different. Uh, Saul's personality, his training, his experience, everything had led them to this moment where he was, he was totally educated in the ways of the Jewish religion, but he was not seeing the gospel. And so when he saw Jesus for who he was, things changed. But yet he was still a new Christian. And so we can learn some things from Saul, specifically about sharing our faith. Do you know that new believers are often those most effective at sharing their faith? Uh, that might be counterintuitive. We might think, well, the person who's known Jesus for a long, long time, they're the ones that, that do the best at sharing their faith. But it's usually new Christians. Number one, they're excited. They haven't gotten over Jesus. They haven't gotten over being saved. Number two... They, they still know some people out in the world. They haven't retreated into a holy huddle and forgot everybody else out there who doesn't know Jesus. We can learn some things, some tips from Paul about sharing our faith effectively. The first one I want us to see is that when we share our faith, we need to keep the big story big. What I mean is testimonies are powerful and they are great. We, we all like to, to hear people's testimonies, don't we? We, we want to hear something personal from people, life stories. We might tune out as someone starts talking to us about doctrine, but when they tell us a story, we lean in, we listen, we want to hear it. But the point here is that our story is the small story. Jesus is the big story. Our story, we use to relate to people. We use to, to segue. We use to get to that place where we can tell Jesus' story. So we see this in Paul here. I wonder if you and I had had that experience that Paul had, how much time we would focus on the bright light and on the voice from heaven and then being healed from blindness, the scales falling from our eyes, and, and we could make this thing all about us. I mean, imagine if this, something like this happened today. They would hit every single show, every single uh, morning show and talk show. Everybody would want to hear all about it. And it'd be real easy for a person to make it all about them. But the verses we read said that Paul preached Jesus. That Paul proclaimed Jesus as the Son of God. Do you think as he went into those synagogues and as he shared his faith in other places, did he tell them about Damascus Road? Absolutely. Of course he told them about what happened to him on the Damascus Road. But the point was, that was only a vehicle to get him to telling them about Jesus. Damascus Road was only as important as it was to get people's attention so that he could share the gospel. So when we're sharing our faith, we want to use our own story. We want to make sure that people understand this is something real that we've experienced in our own lives. 
But that story is just a story until we tell the bigger story. And that's when we're truly witnessing. That's when we're truly sharing the gospel. So you and I need to work on that, keeping the big story big. The second thing I want to say, this is probably the key out of all these things. Don't wait until you're perfect. Don't wait until you're perfect. Now, I don't mean just perfect and sinless as a Christian because we're never going to get there. But I mean, don't wait until that day that you think I'm a perfect witness. I've studied enough. I've learned enough. I've memorized enough outlines. I'm eloquent and practiced enough. And, and then I'll go out and witness. And a lot of people have this mi mindset that sharing our faith is kind of advanced course in Christianity. Well, I'm working my way through the basics. I'm at junior high level, but maybe one day I'll get to graduate school, and then I'll share my faith when I'm this really good Christian. But that's not at all what the Bible teaches us. Everybody has to start somewhere. Now, I want us to go back and look at verse 22. Saul's preaching became more and more powerful. If it became more powerful, we have to know that there was a time that it was less powerful. If Paul got better, it means there was a time when he was worse. The reality is, if you and I wait till we get better, we'll never get better. We have to work. We have to practice. Just like in everyday life, God has put uh, principles into his creation. That people who work hard, that people who refine their skills and study hard and, and, and think about things and plan and all that, we get better as we continue to do something. But if we just sit there and theorize about it all day, what I might do one day if, we'll never get there. I think about this in my own life. When God put a calling on me. And as you look at that on the surface level, you might look at God and say, God, are you sure about this one? You see, when I was a junior in high school, I took a zero. I took a zero in a class because I didn't want to have to get up in front of the class and recite some Shakespeare. When I was in uh, college, in, involved in the BSU, and this year I got elected to be the BSU, I don't know how I was the BSU president, but I got that. And I remember getting in front of these meetings, and I was so nervous, I was almost paralyzed. A girl in that meeting later told me, I felt sorry for you, Tim. I just felt sorry for you. I remember when I went on to William Carey, and I enrolled in the religion department. And part of that uh, course in religion department was we had to have a volunteer chaplaincy at the hospital. So I was there at Methodist Hospital, uh, or Wesley Hospital now, uh, down in Hattiesburg. And I had to go through, and, and, and I didn't know these people. I wasn't their pastor or anything. And I had to, I had to walk in to these rooms with people all in tubes and, and sick and family gathered around them. And I had my little student chaplain, you know, label on and. I was terrified. I remember talking several years later to Roger Flowers, who's still the uh, cha head chaplain there. He said, Tim, I didn't know if you were going to make it. I really didn't. And he was being serious. So, why did God do that? You're saying, wait a minute, Brother Tim. Uh, you're saying you got called to the ministry when you couldn't speak, you couldn't lead, and you couldn't minister. Now... <laughs> 
why did you go into the ministry? Because God told me to. Because I knew that if he had called, if he had led, he would provide. And those things that were lacking in God has, and he continues, because there's still much that's lacking, but he continues to make that up with his grace. You see, the Lord says that he delights in taking the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And he takes the weak things of this world to overcome the strong. He tells us that in our weakness, his strength is made complete. We don't wait until we all of a sudden feel super great about all of our abilities and then go out as super Christians and minister. We start somewhere just like Saul did. And as we go out in the name of the Lord, we increase and we get better as God's Spirit works among us and helps us to refine the gifts and callings that are already there. But all of us are called to go. We're all called. And so you and I cannot wait until we're perfect. The third thing I want us to see on working on our witness, that we keep the big story big, we don't wait till we're perfect, and then you and I are to be confident in Christ. Verses 27 and 28, let's read these. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. So Saul stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. You and I are to be confident in Christ. Now, this is not an arrogance. This is not an inflated ego. This is not making much of ourselves. It's making much of Jesus. Our confidence is not based on our own abilities. We've already talked about how God delights in using our own weaknesses and our own inadequacies so that he gets the glory and not us. We don't get that glory. God gets it because he's the one who does amazing things. And it's all the more amazing because he does it through weak and flawed, imperfect individuals. But you say, well, I don't know if I could ever have that kind of confidence because of this and this and this. And you start to list your failures and your flaws and your imperfections. And you're missing the point because it's not about you. The key word was that Paul preached boldly in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Lord. You see, in Matthew chapter 28, where Jesus gave the Great Commission, we kind of focus on that part in the middle that says, go therefore into all the nations, uh, preaching and teaching and baptizing, right? And, and we're to do that. That's the call. But we forget the part at the beginning, and we forget the part at the end. Because Jesus first said, all authority in heaven and on earth, has been given to me. Go therefore. And he gives them the command. And then at the end he says, And lo, I will be with you always, even until the ends of the earth. Now what does that mean? Why is that so important for what's in the middle for that command to go? It's because Jesus says, Guess what? I have all authority. The Father in heaven has granted me all authority. 
And so when you go out into this world and you begin to tell people that there is a Savior that is there for their sin, who is there to comfort and heal them, to give them eternal life, and if they look at you and say, who are you to tell me this? You say, it's not about me, it's about Jesus. You see, it's not about you being an authority. It's not about you being uh, somehow smarter or better or anything else. It's about Jesus and his authority. And when you say, can I really go out? Can I minister in Jesus' name on this mission project? Can I teach this class? Can I share my faith with a neighbor? And you start to question, can I, can I, can I? You're asking the wrong question. Can Jesus is the question that we ought to ask. And we know the answer. When we say, can Jesus do this through me? The answer is yes. That's when Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He wasn't saying that he could make a million bucks next year unless God wanted him to make a million bucks. But what he was saying was that everything that God wants him to do, everything we've been commanded to do as Christians in Scripture, we're able to do, not in our own strength, but in Christ's strength. And so you and I, we know that the authority is Jesus's. Think of it this way. It's a big brother and a little brother. Big brother is messing with all little brother's stuff. He's, he's taking it. He's using it. He's tearing it up. He's doing whatever he wants. You can't hurt me. <laughs> Quit that. <laughs> whatever. Little brother leaves. Comes back. Dad said, Dad said, you better stop that right now. <laughs> now, if Dad is like my dad. If dad followed through, if dad had authority in that house, all of a sudden it's the same pipsqueak little brother still talking, but all of a sudden his words carry authority and they carry power, and I'm going to quit what I'm doing right then. Because dad said, it really didn't matter who this little pipsqueak right here bothering me was. But when dad spoke, when his authority was giving, it mattered. And so you and I are simply speaking what Jesus said. It's his authority that allows us to go out. And if we're ever worried, but I'm out there on my own, that's why Jesus said, oh, and by the way, not only do you carry my authority, you carry my presence with you as well. And lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the earth. Always he's with us. So you and I are to be confident in Christ because of Christ. Because it's his authority and it's his presence that goes with us everywhere we proclaim the name of Christ. Fourth and finally, you and I are realistic about the cost involved in sharing our faith. First of all, there are some real costs. It can be difficult. It can be dangerous. Saul went through some things that I seriously doubt most of us will ever go through, but there are Christians today in different parts of this world whose lives are literally at stake because they proclaim the gospel. And they are our brothers and sisters. That is how we are to think of them. Biblically speaking, the Bible doesn't talk about them as foreigners, as other nationalities. They are our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we should remember them in prayer because there can be a great to sharing the gospel two times 
This, this is the kind of guy Paul was. Whether he was for Christ or against Christ, he was always getting into trouble. He was always, things were going on. But two times already, people have tried first in Damascus and then in Jerusalem. They're ready to kill him. He ends up out in a basket through the city wall. I love, Paul remembers that. That's so important to him that later on in Scripture, when he's challenged on his qualifications as an apostle, and, and, and he tells them, look, okay, if you really force me to, I'm going to tell you all these things. But he said, guess what? I'd really rather talk about my weaknesses. And he says, like that time that I got lowered down through the wall in a basket. <laughs> he says, I'd rather tell you how I'm weak and, and, and I have tough times like anybody else. So there can be a cost. But on the other hand, we often overestimate the dangers Either we forget that there's any danger and we think there's nothing, but lots of times we create imaginary dangers and what if, what if, what if, and we psych ourselves out because of all this fear. But you know what the Bible says in that last verse we read, verse 31, the church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord. And with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. What you see in Acts is a picture of the church as a whole. There's going to be times of persecution, but there are also going to be times of peace. There are going to be ups and there's going to be downs. God says we're to be faithful either way, whatever it is. Yes, it can be costly, but other times it's simply our own fear and insecurity that's stopping us from going out and sharing our faith. Don't underestimate, don't overestimate that cost. You and I simply have two choices when it comes to sharing our faith. We can share it as Christ commanded, or we can disobey Christ. We can go, make disciples. We can go, share Jesus' love, or we can refuse. We can say, well, we can say anything. There is an infinite number of excuses for sharing our faith. But once we've made that decision, if we say yes, whether happily or begrudgingly, if we say yes, I will share my faith, then we have another choice. Will I do it, but do it badly? Will I be like that minimum wage worker who's just putting in the time because I want to get paid? I want God to say I'm doing this, but I'm not really... (laughs) My heart's not in it. Or will we be like Paul? Will we try to let God work through us as we continue to minister and bless others that we get better and better at what we do because God's work keeps flowing through our lives? I want to challenge you this morning to share your faith. To remember it's not a pressure thing because it's all about Jesus. (laughs) It's his authority. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that convicts hearts. It's God's presence that's going to be with you. You're simply the messenger. You're simply the vehicle to share your faith. But be the best messenger. Be the best vehicle that you can possibly be. And let God do the rest. And he will add the numbers. And he'll bring people to him. But you and I are called to be faithful in sharing. Would you pray with me?
thank you so much that, God, you can take people who the world looks at and despises. Father, you can take people wherever we are, whoever, wherever we've come from and whatever we've done, whatever we've not done. God, because you're in control. And you've called us simply, regardless of our circumstances or our background, and regardless of our abilities, you've called us to be faithful to you. We need to fall in love with you as that greatest commandment says, that we love you with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. And then out of that love that also brings a love for our neighbor, Lord, help us to share our faith with our neighbors, with those who need to hear the gospel. Bless this invitation time now, Father. Help us to do business with you. God, help us to be open to whatever you've placed on our hearts. And some of us here today have had particular people that have popped into our minds as we've been in this place because we know they need Jesus. We know they need encouragement to come to Jesus for the first time or to come back to him. Lord, help us to be obedient in following your call to share your word. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Whatever God has you to today, be witnesses. So I know that is there. And maybe it's simply that you reaffirm that in your life and you say, God, you know, I know I'm supposed to do it, but I kind of slacked off a little bit. Or maybe say, God, I'm trying to do it, but I need your help. I need you to help me be better. I need you to give me wisdom. Whatever it is God's calling you today, kneel at the altar, bow your head where you are, but you do business with him. If you need prayer, I'll be down front. Or if you have a public decision to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, uh, to publicly declare your faith in him, or perhaps to join the fellowship of this church, whatever God's calling you to do today, you obey him. Would you stand, please? 365.